Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. If you've got your scriptures with you it really would help to have your Bibles open at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 because as we go through this I need to be drawing out bits of it so um, please do have your scriptures ready. I was at a conference this week and it was only a small gathering, there weren't that many people there but it was only a small gathering and the conference leader wanted to introduce everybody to everybody else but rather than get up and stand up and say something about ourselves we were actually asked to introduce the person sat next door to us. I was fortunate, I knew the person sat next door to me, um, wellish so it wasn't too difficult. We were given a few minutes to converse, to discover information before presenting our neighbour to the whole congregation, or to the whole gathered seminar. Think about it. Just turn to the person next door to you. Have a look at them, a good look at them. Could you introduce them? Would you feel comfortable introducing them? One of the things we were asked to do was given an interesting fact that was probably unique to the person. And when we got round to introducing each other, inevitably every every introduction followed the sameness. We told our job, where we lived, how many family members, and it was actually the unique fact that added the variety in the room. The scholar Donald Nicholl, when he was asked to do this, when he went to a group... um, He felt really uncomfortable with it. And he said, all I wanted to do was stand up and say, my name is Donald and I am a unique manifestation of God. That's a good way of introducing ourselves, isn't it? My name is Adrian and I am a unique manifestation of God. When you think about it, God is our identity. Gerard Hughes, the, the, the writer and theologian, reminds us of this. We are not defined by our image, our job, our achievements, our qualities, our defects of character, not by our ancestry, nationality, ethnic origins or beliefs. Our ultimate identity is in God. We can state the truth in words, but mere words cannot convey the meaning. Our Christian faith is not primarily about creeds or doctrines. It's about faith in the living God whom words cannot contain. God is to be experienced, not talked about. Ponder that last line. God is to be experienced, not talked about. Last week, Claire spoke from 1 Thessalonians and she spoke about Christian mission, if you remember, about being the church. She spoke of our work through faith. She spoke of our labour prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope. And the example that we set, powered by the Holy Spirit. Well, in this second letter, in this second chapter of the first letter to the Thessalonians, 
Paul picks up on something that he did touch on in that first chapter about imitating God. In essence, what he was saying is that we should live and experience the presence of God in all things. You see, God is to be experienced, not talked about. And so much of this chapter is reflective. As he writes, Paul reminds the Thessalonians how he chose to live while he was with them those few weeks in Thessalonica. And how he hoped that that model would be an example that they too would follow. Paul wasn't about living himself. He wasn't about giving them a model of Paul. For Paul, the living pattern that he promoted was not his own, but it was the life of Jesus. And this is common in his writing to the different churches. We've seen it in Thessalonians. Go to Ephesians, you'll find it there. Take this great passage from Philippians that you all know that simply reminds us that we are to assume the very nature of God. I think the word's going to appear on the screen for me just now. These quote from Philippians that were familiar with Philippians 2. And they're not. That's not the one I wanted. But never mind, let's move on. Paul chose to live in Thessalonica. And that was a model that he hoped Christians would follow. And contrary to other teachers and philosophers in Thessalonica, he didn't act with impure motives. He didn't take advantage of anyone in greed. And he worked hard to support himself. And this morning, I want to look at four things. You'll know when it's coming to the end, because I'll get to the fourth one, okay? Four things. To imitate the life of Christ, Paul, Silas and the others, while they were in Thessalonica, did four things. First of all, in verse 2, Paul tells us this. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. With the help of... Of our God. So the first thing that they did to imitate the life of Christ, they did everything with God's help. If you want to know a little bit more about what happened in Philippi, you need to go to Acts chapter 16. It'll tell you there, Paul and Silas were accused of throwing Philippi into uproar. And so they were hauled before the magistrates. And even though they were Roman citizens, they were beaten, which wasn't allowed under Roman law. Even though they were Roman citizens, they were beaten and they were put in prison. And you know the story, you've heard it before. The earthquake arrived, the door of the jail was open, the chains fell off. And the poor jailer was petrified because he thought he was going to get into trouble. And Paul converted him there and then. That was the struggle. That was the way they were treated in Philippi. They shouldn't have been treated like that. And you know what? That could have knocked their confidence. But with God's help, they came to Thessalonica and they were given courage to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were helped by God. Then about you, I know what it is to have my confidence knocked. Have you ever been involved in a car accident? I've only been involved with minor ones. 
thankfully I've never been injured, but the first thing I've always made sure I've done is get back in the car as quickly as I can and start driving. I couldn't afford to have my confidence not. I think in our context we need courage. We're not persecuted, not like Christians in other parts of the world. But we need courage. Professor Holly Heron gives a a really helpful insight. And I, I read this earlier on in the week and it was really helpful to me and I share it with you. She said this. We often associate courage with bravery or even bravado. But courage can take many forms. And it strikes me that courage is related to confidence. It is a confidence, however, that is less about being right than being comfortable in our own skin. It's a confidence that allows us to remain non-defensive when challenged, to listen respectfully to others, recognizing that God may be speaking to us through them. A confidence that is not smug, but is generous. And this confidence translates into a courage that enables us to take a step outside our comfort zone, to risk more than we've been willing to risk before, to work alongside people who are new to us and to trust God who's entrusted us with the gospel that he will help us to discern what it means to be a faithful witness in each new context and encounter. I need courage. I need that kind of courage. I need that kind of confidence. That's the situations I'm facing. To imitate the life of Christ, firstly, they were helped by God. Secondly, Paul goes on to say, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak of those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, secondly, they were wholehearted in doing what God wanted them to do. Why? Because they felt that what they were doing was approved by God. And if we're going to imitate the life of Christ, the things that we do should be approved by God. They did what they did because God wanted them to do it. They had a clear sense of their priorities. What are your priorities? What are God's priorities for you, for me? God had given them the gospel in the first place. He commissioned them to go and share it. So their actions were approved by God. They weren't there to win people's approval. Who cared about that? They were there to do what God asked them to do, and thereby they would have God's approval. We're going to imitate the life of Christ. We are helped by God, we are approved by God. In the next section of the chapter, bringing us on to the third thing, Paul reminds us, or reminds the Thessalonians, that when he was with them, he didn't use flattery or greed, nor did he seek their praise whilst he was with them. And him and Silas and the others deliberately refused to do things that might lead people to doubt the integrity of their message. This is what he says. He uses lovely words 
family metaphors. He talks about children. He talks about mothers. They came as children. They behaved like mothers. That's what he said. This is how we behaved amongst you. We were caring. We were loving. We were sharing. Paul was modeling a clear sense of concern for the integrity of the gospel. And he modeled a clear sense of love and commitment to those he ministered to. What did they want to accomplish? What did they want to gain? They wanted to please God, not draw praise to themselves. When I was at school, this might surprise you, I was a bit of a goody two-shoes. And in year five, I remember it well, year five, penultimate year of primary school, on the wall went all our names. Alongside it went all of the times tables from two to twelve. And over the period of a term, we had to actually recite to the teacher our times table and we got a star. And when we'd done all of them, two through to twelve, we got a gold star. That competitive nature in me made sure that I was the first to get the gold star by doing all my times tables. Did I care about education? No. Did I care about pleasing my teacher who worked very hard? No. All I wanted was the praise that she would give to me for being the first person in the class to do all their times tables. And boy, did I milk it. And actually, it lasted for a day, and then somebody else got all theirs too. You see, living to please ourselves never does anything for us. And this is what Paul was saying. We weren't amongst you to please ourselves. We were here to please God. We were inspired by God. If we're going to imitate the life of Christ, we need to be helped by God, we need to be approved by God, and we need to be inspired by God. He has to be the motive for everything that we do. And finally, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they were not a burden on the Thessalonians. They supported themselves by working, not relying on the converts to look after them. What he was saying was their behavior was beyond reproach. And in so doing, they acted in a way that was worthy of God. You know, he spoke about sharing themselves with the Thessalonian believers. As we imitate Christ, as we share ourselves, surely that must mean that we're we're willing to be vulnerable. Because we don't only share what we know, but as we strive to live out that which we do know, we share our failings, we share our doubts that we have encountered along the way. What have you learned on your journey of faith that would be an inspiration to somebody else, that would make you a trustworthy guide to somebody else? What gifts, what insights have they given to you? Have you actually been willing to receive anything from anyone else on your journey of faith that might help you? 
if we are going to imitate the life of Christ, we have to act in a way that is worthy of God. Paul is reminding the Thessalonians in this second chapter how he chose to live when he was with them. That pattern of living was not himself, but was Jesus. And that is the model that he hoped they would follow. It's funny, isn't it? Imitating the life of Christ, we call holiness. That's what we call it. We call it holiness. And yet holiness is such a tricky term to define. can convey a very separatist attitude, can't it? I am holy. I am separate. I am not like this. Holiness touches all areas of life doesn't just concern the religious bit you know if you think holiness is only something you do for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning you are wrong holiness doesn't involve removal from the world instead it requires daily living in the world holiness is not the preserve of the privileged few but it's for all of God's people and holiness is not a privatized experience, but it's bound up by living in community day after day after day. I love Gerard Hughes' simple description of holiness. Holiness means that God is present. You don't need Brengel. You don't need any of the other great teachers. Holiness just means that God is present. At the very beginning of the meeting, when I started to speak, I shared Jared Hughes' comments. God is to be experienced, not talked about. Well, if God is going to be present in a holy life that we want to live as we imitate the life of Christ, then God is to be experienced. I'm going to set myself a little challenge this week that every day before I go to my bed, and I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you to be part of the challenge as well. Every day before I go to my bed, I'm going to think how I've experienced God that day. How I've imitated Christ as Paul did amongst the Thessalonians. And I'm going to ask four simple questions. One, today, was I helped by God in the things I did? Was I helped by God in the things I did? Two, today, were my thoughts, words and deeds actually approved by God? If I'm looking for a little stamp of approval on the day's work, does it say approved? Thirdly, today was my lifestyle inspired by God? Was he my source of inspiration for everything I did? And finally, fourthly, today was my behaviour worthy of God. If you remember nothing else from what I've said this morning, if it's glazed over you, four words, helped, approved, inspired, worthy. Take them away. Because that is what we need to be and do to live a life that imitates God. That's what Paul did. That's what he was saying to the Thessalonians. This is who I am. This is what I do. I was helped by God. I was approved by God. I was inspired by God. I lived a life worthy of God. That's the kind of life I want to live.
So as we come to the end of our meeting, to a time of reflection, and I think reflective times are always important, because these are how we experience God and not talk about him. Could those four words apply to you today? How is your life imitating Jesus? Not Paul. I don't want you to imitate Paul. I want you to imitate Jesus. I want to imitate Jesus. Is that what your life is doing? Helped? Approved? Inspired? Worthy? Are these applicable to you? We're going to sing together John Gowan's lovely little chorus that simply sums it up so well. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me in every thought and deed. It's my aim, my creed, to be like Jesus. This hope possesses me, his spirit helping me. Like him I'll be helped, approved, inspired, worthy. You know, it might mean that just in these few moments you have to make yourself vulnerable before God. To just say very honestly where you are in your imitating the life of Jesus. Same for me. And if it would help, the place of prayer is here where you can come and just experience God. To have holiness, know the presence of God. To have that holy moment. And for those in the room, be encouraged during our times of reflection. The only thing that goes out on the live stream is me. All the words, nothing else. This isn't in public view. We don't do things in public view. This is us working out our holiness in community, this reflective time. Today, are you being helped by God? Are you approved by God? Is your lifestyle inspired by God? Is everything worthy of God? Sing with me to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus.
God. My name is Adrian. And I am a unique manifestation of God. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you that you are my identity. And this morning, I'm reminded that you are to be experienced, not just talked about. And so in my life, I pray that you will indeed be everything to me. That I will imitate you in every good way. And Lord, this day I ask that you'll help me day by day in all the things I do. I ask, Lord, that you'll take my thoughts, my words and my deeds. And that you'll look upon them and be able to approve them. I pray, Lord, that my life will indeed be inspired by you. All that you are, the wonderful hope that I have in you, the wonderful energy you give to me. And I pray today, Lord, that my behaviour will be worthy of you. Lord, it's our desire, every one of us, to imitate the life of Christ. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.